Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706 0111 Not going to have a lot of time for phone calls today if you would like to get in. The first segment of each hour is a good time, and there'll be one other segment. We will be talking a little McNeese football in the next segment with uh, Matthew Travis, our friend from KPLC. Looking forward to getting to know him a little bit. Uh, they, McNeese, by the way, and we'll be talking about is playing Rice. The next week, the Cages play Rice. So it's uh, you know going to be interesting to see what happens in those two weeks. Might be able to get a lot of high school football that we could discuss. We're going to be talking with Vermeen Catholic head coach Brock Prejean in the 10 o'clock hour. Uh, and I'll very shortly recap the scores from the games last night uh, involving Acadiana area teams and, of course, Game one of a medicine season began last night uh, in La La Land where uh, the Buffalo Bills, the game probably wasn't as close as the final score, but the final score was 31-10. to 10. And I think there's a lot of issues potentially for the Rams. And look, you know, they played a fact. Do I think they're going to have a winning season? Yeah. Do I think they're going to make the playoffs? Probably. I picked them to go to the playoffs. But, you know, again, they, they I, 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 you know, I just don't think they have the temperament and the discipline, and they have offensive line issues to overcome, you know, the medicine season. But, again, it's just one game. It's just one game. Now, it's a home game, uh, it, but it's just one game, so we'll see. And I, I think they're going to have a. T- I think they're going to have an even tougher time competing on the line of scrimmage with the cheaters this year, than and they normally have a tough time competing with the cheaters because they're so good on the line of scrimmage. But I, I think the Rams are going to have some issues on the line of scrimmage. But we'll we'll see how that plays out uh, long term. And in case you hadn't, you know, Josh Allen is still pretty good. Um, their defense can get after the passer now, maybe even a little better than they did last year. So I don't know. I, I, I talk myself out of picking the Bills, even though I like the Bills pretty much, and I think they're very, very good, and I know why everyone's picking them. I'm just – I just – I don't know. I've always kind of called myself a, a nonconformist company man, and – uh and, and and so I'm I'm kind of going the red flag of everyone picking them kind of bugs me, but man, poof, they sure didn't look like a Super Bowl team last night. But again, that's one game, one game. All right, high school football in the Cadiana area last night. Northside went over to Lake Charles, beat Washington Marion forty-five to twenty. Um, I don't know if he pronounces his name Jonathan, but it's spelled John Nathan. Uh, Bonnet, he had 117 yards and three touchdowns. And so a big night for the Vikings getting their first win of the year. The game that you heard right here with Stevie P and Matt on uh, 107.1 F, Mustang 107.1 FM 
Southside beat Cecilia 35-33. And I said I thought that would be one of the best games, best matchups of week two. And the score turned out to be that way. Now, the game had a lot of ugly moments. There were a lot of turnovers in the game, a lot of mistakes. And yet, Southside gets the win over Cecilia. 35-33, and the unique thing, first of all, that's a good win for Southside. Does it matter? I understand as coaches and players, you you got to, they got to start, they got to stop turning over the football or it, it's going to be hard to win games consistently if you're constantly turning over the football. You know, you, you if they would have lost last night, they'd be saying, well, you can't turn over the ball five times and win. Well, yeah, you can because they did. So, you can turn it over five times and win, but against a good team, and Cecilia is a good team, so it can be done, but it's not the method you want to do. The other thing that's unique about this is Cecilia played a 35-33 game last week. Only they won that one against St. Martinville. This week they lost 35-33. The odds of that happening are probably not very good. But anyway, nice win. I understand the coaches are probably going to – it's not going to be a fun – it's not going to be a fun film session to watch as a team for 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 beating a good team in a win, but still, you got the win, 35-33 over Cecilia. Um, Beauchene beat Port Barry 24 to nothing. Church Point went to Kinder, won 44 to 36. 44 to 36. It looks like Church Point, we talked about it when we coach, talked to Coach Arsenal. They've been spoiled with that defense the last few years. And he, he knows what it's like to have to, you know, win these high-scoring games. And it looks like they're back to that kind of football after all the, the, the all-state caliber defensive players they've lost over the last few years. But Tylen Citizen, 20 carries, 212 yards, and three touchdowns. So the Church Point Bears are 2-0. and And Grand Lake beat Westminster 39-6. to six. So I wanted to get you a little update on high school football. Obviously tonight, a lot more high school football. We've got St. Thomas Moore hosting Alexandria, a team that beat STM last year. So they're looking for a little revenge, and you can hear that. 103-7 Lafayette. Um, all the Acadiana Reckon Rams also looking for some redemption after getting beat by Lafayette Christian last week pretty handily, and the Reckon Rams will open district play at home against the Sulphur Golden Tours. That game can be heard on Me TV FM 97.7, 13.30 a.m. Karen Crow Bears are going to Barb, and you can hear the Karen Crow version of that right here on Z1059 or the Barb Buccaneer version of it on the game 104-1 Lake Charles. Um, the Vermilion Parish game of the week, will be tonight as well on 106.3 Radio Lafayette. So lots of um, high school football to follow again in week two. We will be talking, again, some McNeese football in the next segment. Later this hour, I'm going to start something that I used to do a lot, and we kind of stopped doing it the last few years. But I figured, why not do it? And um, let's go back to doing it and just have a little fun with it. And maybe it'll get my mind, get me fired up, because I, I, I just, you know, last week was was a serious gut punch for me. And so 
turns out that maybe you know maybe it'll turn out good. We'll see. But it was kind of like having to do with the Saints. So we'll be um, talking a little Saints football history in the uh, third segment of this hour, and then again we'll be talking more Cajun football down the road and more high school football down the road on this Friday. Um, you know, if you want to call about LSU, certainly feel free to do it. By the way, the Vermeer Parish game of the week is North Central and Gaydon. So um, that game can be heard tonight on 106.3 Radio Lafayette. So um, I said I was saying LSU if you want to talk about LSU, which we did a lot on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, certainly feel free. I don't know that there's a whole lot to be said about this particular game between LSU and Southern, although I think it's very cool that they're playing. If you're going to play FCS teams, I think that's that's the one to play. I mean, play somebody in, in, in Louisiana, so I think that's a good thing. Um, but not, I don't know about a whole lot of analyzing of that game. But if you want to, certainly feel free to do so. All right, let's go to the game hotline and talk to Manny. Hello. Morning, Kevin. Good morning, sir. Well, it's another Friday, Kevin. It's uh, always, uh, you know, always optimistic on Friday morning. You know, everybody's everybody feels like they can win on Friday morning. Ooh, uh, I don't know. You think everybody wait, wait. feels that way? Well, you know, Kevin, you know what I mean. You gotta, if, you, <laughs> if you're playing, you gotta, you gotta feel like you can win. You can't have a move John Curtis uh, mentality. You know, if you if you sign up to play the game, you gotta feel like you can win. Man, Berwick, so, that's you know, a fur piece. Man, I, yeah, but you know, we we the Pirates have a little history with Berwick. Yes, Berwick used to be in the. In the district years ago, and then Patterson and Berwick, in, yeah, 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 yeah. We've been sprinkled in there with them, but uh, man, they they got you know they had a good team uh, a few years ago when the quarterback the old boy they went to play baseball at LSU and the receiver they had they had, they had this good teams in the past. This new team they have is a you know very uh, very adequate. I mean, there's nothing wrong with them, you know, when you see them on film. So I mean, they. they it's, an, it's not going to be a cakewalk for sure, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a fair enough piece, especially on Friday night when you get old, Kevin. You know, yes, that's kind of far. And listen, I want to touch base and tell you that uh, Josh Allen is still good. You know, and listen, you know when you look at stats, people love to throw stats out there, like James Smith, oh, 30 interceptions, and you know Josh Allen was 10 for 10, and his 11th pass was a, a probably one of the most beautiful passes he threw. The kind of sidearm hummed it to his receiver, hit him right in the chest, and it bounced right out of his chest into the hands of the of the Rams. The interception. Defender. So, you know, he gets an interception. And people yeah. say, oh, he threw two interceptions. Now, you know, the second one wasn't that good. He tried to force the ball through it late, but, you know, just showing you. Okay, I know you're in a hurry today, so uh, I want to tell you this, Kevin, about you know words from the old days. My little, my little people this morning. We've been doing uh, physical fitness since we started, you know. So that we finished up, we did our little physical fitness testing. So I said, okay, our little sixth graders, we got you know fun field Friday today. Y'all go and play and frolic, and they said, Coach, you are the goat. And, you know, I thought to myself, 
I need to call Kevin and tell oh, him. You know, I, I've been called goat a lot, but it was the old goat. Yeah, the old goat. Know? I don't yeah, like this new goat. Old, it drives know, me crazy. A lot in my, in my career, it was the old goat. Yeah. I don't know if I've been referred to as the new goat, but it, it feels pretty good, man. <laughs> I, I had to stop and think about it for a second. Should I fuss at him or send him to detention or whatever? But then I thought, hey, the new goat feels pretty good. So I wanted to make sure to tell you that. And uh, <laughs> all right, yeah, listen, y'all have a great weekend and uh, go Pirates, Tigers, and and Kevin. Nerve, nerve-wracking Sunday, man. Sunday. Well, uh, I'm trying not to think about it, but we're going to review a little Saints Falcon history in a couple segments from now. Thanks for the call, Manny. All right, man. Yeah, yeah. for you young pups out there who don't know what Manny was talking about, from almost all of my life until the last, I don't know, whenever, when did this start? A decade, 15 years ago? The silliness about goat this and goat that. The goat for most of my life was the person who botched the game and lost the game for you. I don't know when the goat became a good thing. My whole life, goat was bad. That means you were the donkey that blew the game for the team. You were the guy who dropped the pass, the, the, the pitcher who threw the wild pitch with a runner on third in extra innings to lose. You were the goat. You were the left tackle that kept getting called for holding, lost the game. Somewhere along the line, goat became a good thing. I, I'm, I don't know if I can agree with Manny. I think we need to go back in the other direction. All right, we'll take a timeout. When we come back, shift gears, talk some McNeese. Cowboys football with our friend Matthew Travis of KPLC in Lake Charles. We'll do that next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You can call in and say Pete Rose deserves to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. You can call and proclaim that the Houston Astros were the only team that stole signs. Just know this. Foot will disagree with you. Call into Footnotes with Kevin Foot at 337-706-0111. Back to more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Before we get to our special guest, want to remind you, Astro Giveaway 5, running out of time. If you would like to get eligible, first you have to join the Game Rewards Club. And if you do, you could win four tickets. Astros versus Rays, Saturday, October the 1st. You could win four tickets to that game tour, Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations. All part of Astro Weekend Getaway 5. Powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston Downtown, and the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All right. About to get to know Mr. Matthew Travis of KPLC in Lake Charles. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me on. All right. So I like to, um, whenever I meet someone, I got to know a little bit about them. So... Where are you from, and what sports teams? My definition of a fan is how much do you hurt when your team loses? So which sports team do you hurt the most on when your team loses? 
So that that one is easy. The people of Southwest Louisiana might not be a huge fan of it, but uh, I'm originally from New York. I, I lived there until I was about 13. Went to high school in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'm a graduate of the University of Alabama. So people don't love that. People don't love that. I'm a Yankees fan either, and covering the Astros, but. Uh, I, I do my best to cover LSU, the Astros, and everything else unbiasedly, and I think I'm doing a pretty good job of that. But, uh, yeah, the Yankees, the Giants, which has been hurt more than more than loved recently, and uh, Alabama are all really big ones for me. Well, um, it is uh, – I, I have a close friend who's from – upstate new york and uh he's a giants fan and you know it's uh we'll we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens i um I, I don't i don't really not you know i i picked him third we'll see if they can get up to third in, in, in the division all right so um first of all as far as mcneese i mean what a brutal opener i mean one thing you're you know you're going way up to Montana, which is, as I say, we say on this show, that's a fur piece from here. And, and, and you're playing a really good football team. So was there – what – I know it was close. It was 10-10 in the second quarter, only 17-10 at the half. So did you take any positives out of it? That that was kind of the positive. And we were talking to uh, Coach Goff yesterday, and he said they were two drop passes away from being up a touchdown. They two drop passes in the first half and all of a sudden they have 14 more points at halftime and they can establish the run game a little more and it it might be a completely different game. But the, the big positive for me aside from that was the play of the two running backs. They only got, they only got 11 rushes combined with Deontay McMahon and D'Angelo Durham McMahon getting eight of those 11. But in the in those 11 carries, they went for 147 yards. One, uh, obviously, it helps that Durham had a 75-yard rushing touchdown, and McMahon had a 31-yard rush as well. But the the running backs looked very very good, and like I mentioned, the problem is when you're behind like they were in that game. I mean, Montana State scored 16 unanswered in the third quarter. So when you're behind like that, it's a little difficult to establish a run game and actually be able to ground and pound and obviously Gary Goff is known for his air raid offense as it is so it was a little difficult for them to kind of get the running backs going and give them more than 11 rushing attempts but the running backs to me were my biggest takeaway I think the receivers had a couple of drops that really they didn't need to drop and in my opinion Gary I mean Gary Goff said differently yesterday but in my opinion, Knox Kadem is not good. I, granted, Montana State is a great team. I mean, they lost in the national championship last year and are ranked number four. Were ranked number four coming into this season. But Kadem wasn't very good. We'll see if tomorrow if he's any better because he will get the opportunity to start again. Well, um, but that was going to be my next question because you, you see a running back, and I know the the final score was forty to seventeen, but like we said, it was you know for about a half or a little more than a half, it was still mm-hmm. somewhat competitive for your running back to only get three carries for eighty two yards. But in air raids offenses, that can happen. So I thought that I understood. I mean, I don't follow McNeese anywhere nearly as close as you do. That Cam Ransom, Georgia Southern um, transfer might have some, uh, you know, might be starting. And yet I saw that 
he just, you know, he threw like one pass or something and had a couple yeah. carries. So is that going to be maybe, do you feel like that's up in the air based on what's going to happen over the next few games? So if I were the head coach, it would be. Um, if I were the head coach, Ransom would have started last week. But uh, Ransom was announced as a starter last Monday. Last Thursday, when Coach Goff had his press conference, he said, well, now we don't know. Uh, apparently, Knox Kadem had a really good week last week. We we weren't at practice last week. But Kadem apparently had a really good week, and that's why he tried it out there on Saturday. And it was supposed to be on Thursday last week, Coach Goff told us that both quarterbacks would get a chance. Obviously, Ransom only had two two attempted passes, and he also ran for 31 yards. So he didn't really play at all. He played two series, and that was kind of it. Um, but we talked to him yesterday, and he said, once again, it's going to be Knox Tatum, and Ransom will have a package. So it sounds like it's going to be the same thing. Uh, Ransom will get one drive, and Tatum will get the rest of the game, which personally I don't really agree with. I, I think this offseason Ransom was the better quarterback, in my opinion, and in an air raid offense, while, yes, it's nice to have a pocket passer like Tatum is, at least more so than Ransom is, it's also very nice to have that quarterback who can sit back in the pocket as long as he wants and then get out of it and run for like he did on the very first play of of his uh, of his drive last week, run for 31 yards. So I, I think Ransom is the better player. I think he's more dynamic and has the ability to escape the pocket and do more with that offense. But I'm not the head coach, and they're going to play Kadem again against Rice. However, I think if Kadem has a bad week against Rice tomorrow, a bad game against Rice tomorrow, I think Monday when we talk to Coach Goff, it might be a different story. And they might look at Ransom as giving him the opportunity to start against Alcorn State when they come to McNeese State because yesterday – Coach Goff said he still believes the ransom has the ability to start, but obviously he's not doing that quite yet. Again, we're speaking with Matthew Travis, KPL Sports, KPLC Sports Director. So, I, I, you know, I was thinking it's a little bit of a square peg round hole with his offense and and the skill set that Cam Ransom has. And then, but it also sounds kind of vaguely similar situation to, to LSU's offense where. You know, you start Daniels because he can get you some easy yards with the legs, even even though he may not be the most expert passer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree a lot. I think obviously not skill-wise they're comparable to Ransom and Nussmeier, or to Daniels and Nussmeyer, but I, I, I think that's a great comparison. Ransom, like I mentioned, is much more dynamic with his legs but still has the ability to sit back and use his arm as well. But uh, it's, it's Tatum, and it's Tatum's team right now. Coach Goff, like I mentioned, is going to be mentioned that Tatum is going to be the starter tomorrow. I don't wholeheartedly agree with that, but we'll see how Tatum does against Rice. And it, like I said, if, if, he, if he's not good, we might be – when we talk next week, we might have a much different story. All right. So they're playing Rice, which, um, you know, Rice, obviously, they went to USC, got beat 66-14. They had four interceptions, gave up 538 yards. So 
we know what the story is with Rice. It's been, uh, what, mm-hmm. seven years or eight years since they had a winning season. This is, you know, bottom third of of an FBS program. And so what what have you been able to kind of surmise about this matchup? And, 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 you know, is this something where McNeese could, you know, have a little success maybe? So we asked Coach Goff straight up, what, what are your opinions <laughs> on, on Rice? And he told us, this is a team that everyone's saying McNeese should go in and beat easily, but just because they got beat 66-14 to 14 by the team at, who at the time was ranked number 14 in the nation, it, it doesn't mean a whole lot. He, he talked about how good their defense is, how big their defense is, and why it's going to be a struggle for them because if you watch that USD game, at times their defensive line was giving that offense a lot of problems. Yes, they only had one sack and two tackles for loss, but they they were forcing USC to use more of more of their playbook in order to get past that defensive line. And he talked about how that's going to be a struggle. But he also talked about the quarterbacks. They played two last week. They've been preparing a little more for Wiley Green, who had four more yards. And obviously McMahon had three picks last week, while Green only had one. But the other problem was USC had three pick sixes in that game, right through three pick sixes in the game. And I don't know the last time I've seen a football team win after throwing three pick sixes. Yeah, right. But it's, it's been quite a while. So that that's a killer right there. And he talked about how, how much differently everyone would have looked at that game if it weren't for those three pick sixes. And most of them weren't exactly – handouts they they were usc had to work for those so rice is a lot better team than the scoreboard indicates from last week and coach Goff is ready for it and the cowboys are ready for that how worried long term are you about the offensive line because i want to say that i see they got they gave up six sacks mcneese like yeah. how, how worried are you about that long term or is that just kind of a first game on the road against a really good team thing I think it's a mix of both. I think their offensive line definitely struggled, but I mean, if you're running back combined for 147 yards on 11 carries, that's that's something to hang your hat on at least. But I mean, like you mentioned, they were sacked six, six times, and Ransom had a 31-yard rush, but because of the sacks and for whatever reason, sacks being counted as negative yards for quarterbacks. And I, we can get into that another time. But because of that, he had 17 yards rushing as opposed to 31 because of the three sacks he took. So Montana State is a very good defensive team. And I said this before the Montana State game last week. I think Rice is going to be a better judgment of where this team is at because it, it's not fair to judge McNeese State in the first year under a new head coach against a team who just lost in the national championship game. Montana State's a very good team, and they're going to be a very good team again this year. Rice is a little more matched up towards McNeese, for the better or worse. And I think after this week, it's going to be a better test of, okay, this is really where we have to work on, and this is where, we have, where we're doing well at. And I, But wholeheartedly I do think the offensive line is one of the weaker points of this team we saw it in the second scrimmage the defense the defense was not letting the offense do anything because they continued to get to the quarterback I think there were 
seven sacks in that second scrimmage, it might not be that much, but it was a lot. And the offense kept having three and outs because they were struggling with that offensive line. But I'm very concerned about it. And if, if the same happens against Rice tomorrow, I would be far more concerned. All right, that game is 6.30 in Houston. Uh, and, uh, you know, it sounds like you agree with me about the the way some of the rules look. I, I, I've thought for a long time, especially, you know, now that we've got NIL and, 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 mm-hmm. and, and, and college football that's starting to look a lot more like pro football, I've thought we're about four to five decades. Well, I'd say three to four decades behind. It's time for you for college, in my opinion, see if you agree with this, for college receivers to put two feet down. That rule was way back when everybody was running the wishbone, and and, and now everybody's running seven-on-seven offenses. I'd be embarrassed as a college receiver to only have to get one foot down. And also, uh, they're adults now, so when they fall down, they can get up and, and advance before they're touched. I mean, would you agree with that? I, in all honesty, I've never really thought of that. Um, I, I would agree more with the the second part of that. I, I'm not, I don't wholeheartedly agree with the two the two feet in. I think that's just the way college has always been. And if they make it to the NFL, you're going to have to learn to get two feet in. But I do 100% agree with the second part of that, which is you're not down until a opponent puts you down. But because I, I, I've never understood that you've seen, we've seen it a million times where a player falls down just short of the goal line and there's nobody around him and just like that, yeah, it's not a touchdown. They can't they can't go for the touchdown. The other thing I hate and we saw it in the LSU game last week. I don't understand why on a muffed punt you can't you can't uh, advance the ball. I that personally. That rule makes absolutely no sense to me, and there are a couple of rules like it. But I, I really just, like you mentioned, I, I really don't like the fact that when you go down and you're not touched, you're down. That makes no sense to me. And, and, and I'm with you on the on the college. Well, the problem with college is there's still a lot of quarterbacks who are run-first guys, so I guess I kind of get why they – Still take the pass, you know, off of the uh, rushing yards, but the sacks off the rushing yards. But that 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 is very very deceiving. I agree. All right, one more question before you go: Are your Yankees going to survive September? I don't know. I, it, it, it's been horrible since Matt Carpenter got injured, and we've been dealing with other injuries, Stanton, whatever. But we just need. It's funny because. Two months ago, we were the best team in baseball, and we're looking at it as the Yankees are going to cruise to their 28th. But now we're talking about, oh, what is it, a one-game lead in the East now? And we're talking about how the Rays might end up winning the East. And I, I listen, I sure hope so. I, I, I just don't know if Judge can keep doing what he's doing, and he, he seems to be he seems to be keeping it up. We obviously we have a chance, but I'm. I'm I'm really worried. We sit here every night, and I, I seem to watch us lose a one-run game, and it's it, it's getting old at this point. But um, I, I think we can. I, I think we'll get that kick in the butt we need, which is the fact that it is only down to one or two games, whatever it is at this point. And I think we're going to have to kick it up, and they know that. All right, sir. It was great talking to you. Look forward to talking to you each week, and thank you very much. 
course. Thank you for having me. All right. You take care. Matthew Travis, KPLC sports director, should be. Man, he is not shy given his opinion. So that was uh, that was kind of refreshing. That was that was very good. Appreciate him coming on. And boy, he is in enemy territory, though. <clears throat> I can imagine. He's an Alabama Yankee fan in Louisiana. But well, there's a lot of Yankee fans in South Louisiana. So there's a lot of uh people agree him on that. Not as many on the other thing. Uh, we'll see how how the Giants do. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Oh, pleasure cruise. Pleasure Cruise. Now, a sports career where things seemingly came easy as the player was surrounded by the best players, the best coaches, and caught all the breaks. Also known as Tom Brady's career. Now, back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind you about the ultimate tailgate giveaway. If you join the game rewards club, you would be eligible to win $500 to chop specialty meats, a new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, UL football tickets, LSU football tickets, and more. The ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. All right, maybe a little later I'll get to my frustration about the actual game. But I decided, as I said earlier, <clears throat> we haven't done this in a few years. And I used to do it quite a bit, both well, years ago in the newspaper as well as on, on the radio. So... Each week, and obviously when we have rematches, we won't do it. But each week, I want to try to give my opinion for, and I'm going to cheat a little bit in this week, in this first week, but I've done it, I've cheated in that area before, and you'll get it, you know what I'm saying when I get to it. For my best three wins and most agonizing, worse, whatever words you want to use, three losses for that particular game matchup. Obviously, the Saints, because of the stupidity of the NFL, in my opinion, is opening up with a with a, a division game against, on paper and arguably the biggest rivalry, you know, the biggest rival for of of the Saints. I you know, like the Charters and the Raiders are playing. And you know, for fantasy it's interesting, but why would you I still say it's just completely stupid and to play one of your arguably your one of your most important games of the season. Like the Packers are playing at Minnesota. Like, that's one of the most important games of the season in that division, and they're playing it in week one when we already know everyone's not really ready. I mean, it's just stupid. But anyway, the thing that's unusual, it didn't it didn't take me much time at all to come up with three of the most agonizing, frustrating losses in the Saints-Falcon series. The thing that was strange is I had trouble – 
coming up with three memorable wins that really made a big impact on me. Obviously, there's the, you know, the Katrina come homecoming, back dome coming, we should say. But again, that I'm going to put that because they it was the Falcons, but that really had nothing to do with the Falcons. And it was actually not a great game. It was just an me- incredibly meaningful game coming off of Katrina. So I'll put that on there, but I, it, it's not, you know, when we get to the Bucks and the Rams, some of these other teams the Saints are going to play, uh, it's going to be easy to come up with, with win. I mean, the very memorable wins. You know, wins that are the cheaters. I mean, just relish. It's really not a lot of Falcon wins. By the way, the Saints <clears throat> go into this series, and there's been some some reporting contrary, but I include the playoffs because the playoffs count. Um, The Saints are, and, and this is sickening to me, down 54 the Falcons lead the all-time series 54 to 52. So if the Saints can get a a sweep of the series unless they play in the playoffs, which I don't think is going to happen. Um they will even the all-time series. That that's a that's a good thing. So the three wins I got to tell you I had a tough time coming. Well, let's do the three losses first. It'll work better. And I said I was going to cheat 1978, we told this story many times. Saints got cheated. Well, fate cheated them 20 to 17. Then the officials cheated them in the rematch two weeks later in Atlanta. And, uh, or the Saints cheated themselves in that first 20 to 17. So the Saints lost two games in 1978 to the Falcons. 20 to 17 was the score of each game. Both of them included really fluky stuff. In the last minute of the game, and the Saints should have won both games. And then the season opener, the Falcons went to the playoffs and actually won a playoff game. When if the Saints win those two games, they go to the playoffs and have their first winning season. So that was just as agonizing as it could be. And then the first game of the 79 season, the Saints lost 40-34 to in overtime, which is double the 20 to 17 score. I mean, again, I've included those three games as one for years and years, and I'm going to cheat and do that again. But really, if you want to talk about the three most and, and you don't allow me to cheat, then it's those three games. I mean, it's, and, and, and it's, it's those three games. But if you include those three games as one, which I can cheat and do, I will then go from then to 1991. In 1991, the, Saint, the year the Saints won the division for the first time, they had a late season, had some injuries, and they had a late season losing streak. And in the middle of that, uh, on November the 24th, they played the Falcons at home. And I remembered I was standing in the end zone. There was two minutes, about two minutes to go in the game. The Saints are up 20 to 13, and they've got the football. And Fred McAfee fumbles the football. The, they get it back. Miller throws a touchdown pass. The Saints have two drives and botch them in overtime, and Norm Johnson kicks a 50-yard field goal and beats the Saints 23-20 in overtime. Just awful loss. And then because of that, in part, the Saints get matched up with the Falcons in the playoffs about a month later, and the, and the Saints are still decimated with injuries, injured cornerback, injured cornerback. They're, they're, they're pulling people off the street Cornerback Mark Lee, he wasn't even on a team. They had to pull him off the street to come start a playoff game. That's the position they were in. And y'all tell me the Saints don't have the best roster ever. It just kills me. But anyway, um, 
and the Saints lose 27-20 to in the playoffs. So those would be – I know that's five games, but I'm counting them as three because I'm, I'm grouping 2017-2017 and 30-40 to, 30 to, 40 to 34 as one. The best wins, again, I had a tough time coming up with them. Because of the frustration of 2017, 2017, 40, 34, and 78 and 79, the rematch in Atlanta in 79, the Saints won 37 to 6, crushed them. Now, you could imagine how good that felt after the three just agonizing losses in 78 and 79. So, um, you know, Henry Childs had three catches for 117 yards and a touchdown. Wes Chandler, who the Saints get to enjoy again, because that's my nickname for Chris Alave this year. We better enjoy it. Um, had six catches for 103 yards, and the Saints crushed him 37 to six. A very satisfying uh, win on the road in Atlanta at Fulton County. Believe me, that one was very satisfying. I already mentioned the dome coming in 06, the, um, 23 to three, and the other game that I'll mention. For my most satisfying Saint, one of the top three satisfying wins over of the 52 wins over the Falcons ever was in 2018. If you remember that game, it it's possible it was the best game Drew Brees ever played in a Saint uniform. You know, I would put it up there. And the Saints got burned early. Again, they had injuries at cornerback. They always have injuries at cornerback. Injuries at cornerback. And Calvin Ridley was just crushing the Saints early on. And Breeze ended up going 39 for 49 for 396 and three touchdowns and rushed for two touchdowns. And they got a key sack by Cam Jordan late in the game, and they won the game 43 to 37 in overtime. Uh, It was like week two or three. uh, Superman had sold the Saints down the river and got suspended for the first four games. And it was it was a gutsy win, and again, arguably the greatest performance in in the Saints, in my opinion, uh, for Drew Brees in the Saints era. So those would those would be my three most satisfying wins over the Falcons. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out the first hour on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. <laughs> Welcome back to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Astros begin a three-game weekend series against the Lil MVPs. Tonight, Minute Maid Park is the last time they're going to last series of the year against the Lil MVPs. And uh, tonight's game can be heard on News Talk 98.5 FM. Um, it's a little complicated these days because we have high school commitments on Thursday and Friday, depending on who team and who's playing. And then we've got LSU commitments during football season and, and LSU, the LSU sports season. So, uh, you know, not all the games are going to be on the game 1037 Lafayette. And then the way it worked out last night, 98.5 FM played a Thursday game of the week. So that game will be tonight on 98.5 FM, the Twins. I mean, I hadn't really paid attention to the fact that it was a three or four game series, but the Twins got a win last night against the Yankees, and so the Yankees will begin a three game series 
I didn't even know it was possible the Twins could beat the Yankees. But the 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 um, the Rays, the Yankees opened a, a huge three game series against the Rays, and Matthew kept saying one, but I I think the Yankees still have about a three. I have to look it up, but I think it's about a three game lead on the. It's not a, it's not all the way down to one. It's it's certainly not that that close, but it's way closer than anyone thought it would be for sure. Um, and, and and speaking of an interesting weekend series, the Mariners are playing. It's four and a half, so it's nowhere near one. It's four and a half that the Yankee that the Rays are behind the Yankees. So. Even if they just win two out of three, I still think the Rays have a decent chance. Not a, not, I wouldn't say over 50%, but a decent chance. But the Rays, I mean the uh, Mariners and the Braves this weekend, another interesting series in Asia. That's it for the first hour, another hour to follow on the game. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Again, simulcast on Stadium 32.3 from 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706 0111-706-0111. If you would like to get in, now is the time to do it. We'll be doing a lot of interviews the rest of the hours. We head into another big football weekend. Obviously, we talked about the five high school games from last night about an hour ago. Cajuns will host against Eastern Michigan. We'll talk about that game a little bit later. LSU hosting Southern and the Saints open with the Falcons and before we go to the phone line I'm just look I'm trying to not think about it but it's just so frustrating you look at the Saints injury report here we go season hadn't even started got about 75 people on the injury report I mean the Falcons have like two like how can they be so injured they never play a game they never practice I mean, they played three preseason games. The starters didn't hardly play, which I don't mind. But, like, why is everyone so hurt all the time? It's unbelievable. The injury, Paulson Adebo, he didn't practice. Wednesday didn't practice. Thursday's probably not going to play. He better play next week against the, the Yucks. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Landon Young. He didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. What happens if Hurst, who just got over a broken foot, he's been out a month? What if he goes down again at left tackle? Your backup left tackle, he ain't practiced all week. Going to have to move Pete to left tackle, and no one wants that. Michael Thomas, don't you know, he was limited. He better play. No one really cares if Traquan is in, but again, uh, did y'all notice Traquan is listed ahead of Wes Chandler on the depth chart that was released earlier this week? Eric McCoy was limited. He signed a big contract yesterday. JT Gray's on the report. Pete Warner's been out, hurt all training camp. It just never ends with these injuries. They haven't even played a game yet, and they got like 15 injuries still. 
Unbelievable. Falcons have two. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Well, you know how to make bring the mood down. Oh, it's just awful. <laughs> Enough of his injuries. That's all we have is injuries. It's, it's something. I don't even remember the last time I've seen an injury report, and we didn't have less than, like, five people, and the other team didn't have, like, three. Injuries, you know? injuries, injuries. It, it's always like that. Maybe Jim Hazlitt was the last time I seen an injury report that we had, you know. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. It's it's, And you're right. You know, the season hasn't even started yeah, yet. Yeah, we haven't even started the season. Uh, it's, and the, the people barely played even in the preseason. Yes. So, yeah. I get that you can get hurt in practice. I'm just saying it's so frustrating. I mean, it's just. It never ends. It's yeah, yeah. I don't know about Paulson Adiwo, man. That just it, it, awful. Anyways, all right. Um, yeah, that uh, two thousand eight. Hello, Drew Brees probably had. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, now I can. Go ahead. Okay, in that two thousand eighteen game that you had brought up earlier. Uh huh. Yeah, you forgot to mention that Drew Brees probably had the best play of his career, where he, where he he's like yeah, he forty years fake. old yeah. and spinning, you know, juking basically juking two defenders to go in the end zone. I mean, yeah. that was just yeah, like, he had two two touch two rushing touchdowns in it, and what the other one was one of those patented go over the top things from the one, and he got hit too. I don't know if you remember that, but like he looked a little woozy after that one, but um. Yeah, that was probably, in my opinion, maybe the best play he's ever had. Hey, did you? Uh, I know the guru he's all excited about Travis Etienne, but I wonder how he feels about the news that uh, James Robinson might be getting a bigger workload. Well, did he and I, him? he and I have disagreed on that from day one. I, I, I don't think Travis Etienne's a three down back. I think he's a he's a third down back, and, and I think James Robinson is a three down back. Now, again. Got to stay healthy. Both of them have had their share of injuries in the last year or so. But uh, Guru and I have been disagreeing on that from the beginning. And I drafted Robinson for the third straight year. And uh, obviously, he's had a lot of injuries. But we'll see what happens. But And Gabe Davis, that dude, man. It, well, I, I don't know. Whoever picked him up. He's, like, he, he's on my little team. Up. Yes, he's on my little team. And so is that big mountain man of a quarterback. <laughs> I got him in one of my dynasty leagues. uh Although, lucked into him, uh, but yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah, I'm kind of excited so but nervous for yes. Sunday. You know, it's I need him like, to play a thinks, game, and I need him to win and look good because the the last week has just been so frustrating. I'm just so I, I am not going into this season with a good frame of mind. I am so over, overdose and over all these injuries. I mean, it's just hey, ridiculous. Drake London's playing right. Sunday? Supposedly, yes. Okay. I'm just worried about, you know, how they're going to be focused on Marcus Mariota running and someone's going to get deep like Kyle Pitts or Drake London. Oh, no, it could happen. Or Patterson. We've seen that happen before. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's worrisome. Especially with our corner. And, like, all of a sudden now we have no tackle depth at all. It's like, dude, what were y'all doing? And why didn't they pick up? People got released. Pick someone up, you know? 
They picked up a guard yesterday, an ex-Buckeye. Boy, they love Buckeyes. And I like them, too, but, I mean, man, it's unbelievable. Picked up what an ex-Buckeye. Derek Kidd. Uh, that's his name, right? Yeah, from Montana State. Uh, you know, he's apparently they love him. He's the, he's he the, like he's the backup. Guard kinda? He, well, he's the he's on the depth chart as the backup right tackle. He might have to, you know. Yeah, you know, he, he, he might and have like, to. And, like, I'm hearing bad stuff about Ryan Ramchek, too. Like well, how, I can't you know, even, I can't he might even, have degenerative knees or I something. I can't even you know? fathom that. I can't even – that cannot even enter yeah. my mind right now. Anyways. Yeah. All right, Kevin. Thank, Thank you. you. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Footsie. Howdy, sir. Footsie, I would like to say thank you to the Milwaukee Brewers Baseball Organization. Okay, I'm listening. The Milwaukee Brewers Baseball Organization yesterday played two nine-inning games, 45 minutes between games, one ticket for admission. Well, that's all. that doesn't happen much anymore, so, yeah, I agree with you. No. No, I don't know the last time that happened. I mean, a they called it a traditional doubleheader. But, I mean, can you imagine two nine-inning games back-to-back, 45 minutes in between games, and one ticket got you in for both games. So, you know, congratulations to the Milwaukee Brewers. We didn't have to suffer through seven-inning baseball. I mean, you know, all that nonsense. But – yeah, no, I just wanted to call and alert you that the Milwaukee Brewers were able to play two nine-inning baseball games against the San Francisco Giants yesterday. First game was there over in two hours and 20 minutes. So, anyway, that's all I wanted to say. For I just wanted to bring that to you. And they rewarded their fans with two Ws as well. Yes, they did. Yeah. Yes, they did. They're not like the Astros. I mean, they don't have an 11-and-a-half game lead. But. You know, they eight and a half back, but you know. Oh, and pussy. By the way, I never said nothing. I was like supporting Hannah and the uh, Seattle Mariners. That after sixteen games, the Seattle Mariners were in first place in the Western Division. Now, me and you both knew they were going to get overtaken, but you know, I did congratulate Hannah when you know right at the early part of the season. So, but yeah, the Milwaukee Brewers, man, congratulations because that don't happen too often. I Not agree. Anymore. I agree. Thank you, sir. All right, Footsie. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, let's go. One more call on the game hotline before we get to back to some high school football. I need to with this stupid Saints injury report. Hello, you're on the hot game hotline. Hello. Hello, Mr. Foot. Howdy, sir. Um, first of all, let me just say it's a pleasure to hear you on 1037 The Game. Uh, I followed you and Big Dave. Wish he would have been here to see you make it to 1037 The Game. Uh, I appreciate you being the historian in you are. You, you kept up with the 1998 team from Lowerville that got screwed by Southern Lab. I appreciate you always bringing that up. Um, but I want to get to the Saints. Louisiana is not a state to allow athletes to sit out with injuries and just pay them. We got uh, William, uh, the, the guy from the Pelicans, Zion, and we got Michael Thomas that's just getting paid to be out with injuries. Um, if I'm a fan and I got the jersey on, I want to see them play. I paid to see them play at the games. And and when you go to the games and you maybe have your son or your daughter coming to see Michael Thomas and he not playing, I mean, we paying them for nothing. We're not a state built like that. 
And I just would like to see that change. Like, look, if if you can't play for us, go somewhere else. We'll get some guys in that we could buy their jerseys and see them play at the game. And uh, that's pretty much all I wanted to say, Mr. Foote. I, I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you very much. Hey. <clears throat> and look, I look. I'm still mad, and I still blame Casper the Quitter for for um or whoever he put in charge. But he's the head coach. I mean, Plastic Man got hurt because he on a play he should not have been on the field. Got to manage that junk better. That's game management. But no, I get it. Injuries happen, especially in football. But it's just. It just happens over and over, and it just never stops. Like, I cannot believe Paulson Adebo is injured already, and they're not even going to be able to utilize him. It's just so aggravating. That's the one that really hurts. Because that's what gives you the advantage over teams like the Falcons. Now, you just lose that advantage. is so aggravating all right we'll take a time out come back shift gears because i need to we'll talk some high school football over me and catholic head football coach brock prejean next on the game southwest louisiana sports station your home for the lsu tigers in the houston Astros. a recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist take that dental hygiene this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. We have with us on this high school football Friday. For me and Catholic head football coach Brock Prejean. How are you, sir? I'm doing really well, Kevin. I appreciate you having me on this morning. Well, uh, you know, I'm looking at week two schedule, and uh, I-, I thought last night's game between Southside and uh, Cecilia would be pretty good and pretty close, and, and it turned out Southside won 33-30, I mean 35-33, and uh, another one of – the top two or three matchups in terms where it looks like it could be a really good game is Ascension Episcopal and your Screaming Eagles are for me and Catholic. How do you kind of look at this matchup? Oh, absolutely. We're expecting a, a really good ball game. You know, two competitive clubs uh, who have had a lot of success in recent years. And Coach Heron's doing a really good job taking over for uh, Coach Desimo. So we're looking forward to it. It's a it's a great matchup for the the communities, and they're right there right there down the road. For me, you won pretty handily last week over Catholic and Ascension Episcopal loss, a really close game to a, a team in a higher classification than them with some really good athletes and, and Plaquemine. And what did you see from the Blue Gators watching the film of that game? Man, they're competitive. You know, I, I got to know Plaquemine a good bit down the road at, at STM watching, uh, watching them play, playing them each year in week three. And they do a good, great job. Uh, you know they have big, they have great size. They have really good athletes. So for uh, you know Ascension to be on the field with the, those guys for four quarters, and not only hold their own, but but really and truly have a chance to win that thing uh, late in the fourth, um, it, it's eye opening. You know, and it, it definitely got our our coaches and our kids' attentions uh, going into this week. So uh, kudos to them for hanging in there and for scheduling tough early in the year. 
So they had a key fumble that really hurt their chances of winning. And I was talking last night, Southside had five fumbles in that game and, and somehow figured a, a way to win. Has it been your experience, especially with high school kids, that early in the season kids are more susceptible to, to fumbling or, or not really? You know, it's something you highlight as a coach, and I think every coach does it. You know, whoever wins the turnover battle has a, a higher percentage chance to, to win the game. It's one of the most telling statistics. But, you know, it's tough. Uh, you know, you, you get hit at practice, but, you know, the intentions aren't as malicious uh, as they are on a Friday night. So when guys are in there stripping at balls, and you just got to get conditioned into it and, and try to make good decisions and, and mitigate the turnovers the best you can. But it is. It's usually tough early on to uh, to make sure that you're, uh, you know, doing all those right things that, that prevent those turnovers. Uh, again, we're speaking with Vermillion Catholic head football coach Brock Prejean. So, Ascension last week had trouble with a running quarterback named Mitchell from Plaquemine. That sounds familiar. Um, and, and you have a quarterback who's capable of going to be hurt already, a young quarterback who's hurting a lot of teams with his legs and his arms. So tell us about Jonathan Dartes. You know, I think John, John John feeds off of our other running backs. Uh, I think they do a tremendous job of opening up the game plan for him. Uh, they, they threaten everybody every time they touch the ball. I think our, our five other backs collectively had uh, six yards of carry last week. And when they're doing that, you know, and we're able to misdirect with those guys a little bit, and that opens up holes for, uh, for John John. So I think he's a product of his supporting cast. And those guys around him know that, uh, you know, everybody's going to get their opportunities. And, uh, you know, when one guy has success, it means the other guy can have success right behind him. But what about him? You know, some kids – don't kind of come into their own to their junior or even their senior year. And as a freshman, he just had that it factor or whatever. Like, what is it that he had as a freshman and now a sophomore that a lot of kids his age just don't seem to have? Yeah, I think it's more about what he didn't have. And and he didn't have, you know, we, we said it, you watched it on film, he doesn't have any flinch. Uh, it, it doesn't matter how big the opponent is. Um, you know, most guys, especially early on, in their high school careers, when, when they're meeting a defender, you see a little bit of a, a hesitation. And, and with John John, we saw acceleration whenever he gets in the piles and gets in the traffic. And, and that's, that is atypical at, at that age. And it's normally something you write that doesn't come on until later. But, it, you know, I think it's more of that he, he's, he's fearless. Um, and and it's, it's paid, you know, dividends for us since, since last year. All right, so – all teams, even really good teams, have some question marks coming into the season. So what kind of were one or two of your maybe concerns or question marks or things that had to get proven and through the scrimmage, jamboree, and first game, how has your team uh, progressed in those areas? Yeah, you know, we, we wanted to improve our passing game from last year uh, tremendously, and, and that took a lot of work this summer. Uh, you know, John John putting in that work on his own and our our receivers, we definitely wanted to – those guys step up and 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 start uh you know we wanted to remove the drops and and be more aggressive in the blocking game and, and to this point our receivers really have uh made that an emphasis in their in their positional uh practices and and i've been very pleased with their progress so you mentioned the running game uh is it kind of, am i hearing kind of a it's going to be kind of a running back by committee this season or how does that how do you expect that to play out you know, the nature of it is, you know, with a 1A program, you know, you got a lot of guys going, going both ways. And, and essentially, if you play linebacker for us, you're playing running back for us as well. 
and uh, we, we want to keep our guys as fresh as we can, and, and we want to try to, you know, get downhill on you with as fresh a legs as we can. So we're trying to get guys um, experience early on, uh, and as we feel they're, they're comfortable and they're, they're finding their place, then we can start really letting certain guys feature, and when they get in the grooves and they're feel, feeling it and they're finding the holes, then we can lean a little heavier in those moments. So I guess it depends on the player, but some coaches have a philosophy of resting on offense and some rest on defense. So like, how do y'all typically do that with players playing both ways? It, it, you know, it's tough. It's a balancing act. You know, you gotta you gotta trust your kids that they're gonna put put the team first and and put themselves in the right positions. You know, we we trust them to tell us when they need a break and they need a breather. Um, and, and we trust all of our guys at positions. You know, we have depth charts for a reason. And, and the kids, uh, you know, they somewhat police themselves in that regard. You know, uh, we have two tight ends in, in Ashton and Jake, and, and they, you know, they're, they're both plenty capable. And they'll communicate through the game, you know, hey, that was a tough drive for me. Can you take the, these first four? And, and vice versa, at running back and wide out. Those guys do a really good job with that defensively on the scoreboard for sure uh you know y'all did great last week so what were the concerns on defense and and how is the defense kind of unfolding so far yeah the, i mean the biggest thing we've seen with our defense is their, their communication is it, it's really a special um we have you know 11 voices pre-snap that are that are shouting out their assignments and, and shouting out uh, information that they've gathered before the ball snapped and when it snapped uh, you know you hear a whole lot of eagles chirping making sure they're getting their in calls and their crack calls and their trap calls. So the communication is really what was emphasized this summer. And, and what's been impressive is the physicality that they're playing with. So uh, it's a group we're definitely proud of. So, and again, we're speaking with Vermeer Catholic head football coach Brock Prejean. You know, the, the postseason got split up a little bit, and we're still kind of deciding. Gonna A lot of teams are going to – schools are going to decide, are going to hear today whether they're – on the private school side or the public school side of the playoff bracket when we get there. How how did all of that kind of impact Vermeer Catholic in your mind? Yeah, you know, we know what side of it we're going to be on. It's kind of a, kind of the way I approached it. I, I'm not sure our kids are even uh, all that aware that any of that's going on. Um, you know, we, we're, we're a long way away from it. It's going to be another uh, nine weeks before we have to concern ourselves with any of that. And uh, when we get there, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll figure out who the opponent is and, and we'll go into it. But, I mean, being in a more traditional bracket, not just, you know, 16 teams, is that exciting to you as a coach? You know, you mentioned that your days as an assistant coach at STM, you know, and, and, and you know, most people played, grew up with 32-team brackets. And so is that exciting or, or does that not make a difference to you? No, I, I, absolutely. I'm excited about it. Uh, you know, you get an opportunity to play some new teams that, that potentially you, you haven't had the opportunity in recent years to play, and that, that's always a cool experience for your guys. You know, you, you may have you may get the opportunity to get on the road and travel somewhere that otherwise we wouldn't have, or and, and vice versa. Um, so, you know, if it expands, uh, you know, that that'd be great. Um, but again. Whenever week eleven rolls around, we'll start figuring that stuff out. But, but I am excited to see what what happens with it. All right. So I don't know um, how many wins you're going to get the rest of the year. But again, you, it seems like y'all the goals are pretty high for this team. Or do y'all kind of do a good job of not worrying about 
district championships and all that just yet and and just kind of focus on this week? No, uh, you know, we, we talked about it. We're blessed to have high expectations. Um, you know, we want our guys to embrace that because, uh, you know, with high expectations comes, you know, a lot of hard work and a lot of sacrifice that's necessary. So we don't want our guys to shy away from that. Absolutely. It's a, you know, a one week at a time mindset, but our guys, you know, they, they know where they want to be at the end and, and they know that what it takes in the moment, you know, the current moment to get there. You've got a Cinchin Episcopal this week and Lorville next week. So good football teams. I'm sure that's going to prepare you coach. We appreciate your time very much. Good luck to y'all. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you again for me and Catholic head football coach Brock Prejean off to a 1-0 start. Got a really challenging home game tonight at 7 o'clock in Abbeville against Ascension Episcopal. And as I said, they play Lorville next week, who got off to a 1-0 start last week um, as well. So we don't often talk about the Class 1A and 2A schools as much as we do the 4A and 5A schools. But for me and Catholic, has been winning games for a long time. And Seem to have a really special player in Dortez, so we'll see how we'll monitor him as the season goes on. All right, we will take a timeout when we come back. Shift gears back to the college game and the pro game. What our friend Gerald Broussard, I always like talking to him, but I especially need it when I get a little frustrated because, you know, he has a way of making me think a little differently. We'll speak with our friend Gerald Broussard after this timeout on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Welcome back. Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Before we get to our special guest, want to remind you, the game clubhouse, you could join it at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. And if you do, you could win $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lesser Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou. $50 gift certificate. Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate for Mabel's Kitchen. All those great prizes and more, things like Astro tickets for the remainder of the season. You cannot win if you don't join the game clubhouse, so do so today. It's free. It's simple. Sign up today. All right. Here's a man who remembers when being a GOAT was not a good thing, Mr. Gerald Broussard. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, so are, are you calling me the bad kind of goat? No, I'm just saying you, you you're you're a hair older than me, so you remember those days. I, I get so sick of hearing about the goat this and goat that. I just like goat when I was growing up was bad, so just leave that alone. No, it was that was probably nobody wanted to be called a goat. Yeah, and uh, yeah, but no, I the way you worded that, I'm thinking, well, what did I do? I didn't even say nothing. No, yet. no, no, <laughs> no, you didn't. That's just an extension from an earlier conversation. I'll, all right, so Cajuns are playing against Eastern Michigan. You were were you on the staff the last time they played those two games against Eastern Michigan? Or no? No. 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 Um you know, you've been though in situations whether you're at McNeese or, or, or the Cajuns where a team comes down from, you know, just shy of Canada and, and playing in South Louisiana can be a negative and so that makes 
especially early in the season, heat and humidity-wise, which makes for an interesting matchup because this is an Eastern Michigan team that it looks like they're going to try to control the clock. They got a big running back. They got some big offensive linemen, and yet the Caters look a little smaller on the defensive front, and yet they're the South Louisiana team and 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 uh, Eastern Michigan from Michigan. So, how do you see all that playing out? Yeah, no, and we played some schools in the north. Now, I don't know, you remember Northern Illinois used to be in the conference right. with us and, and stuff 100 years ago. And and those guys will come down. We always wanted to get them down early. And, and, and because it is a big advantage, just like nobody wanted to go to DeKalb in November. You know, we actually went there. I don't know if, if you remember the, the, the game where it was like minus 40, oh, yeah. wind chill and stuff, and pipes busted up in DeKalb, Illinois. I was not and, there, uh, but I remember it. Oh, dude, it was horrible. There was, I mean, we won it on, on, on a fake punt, and we were trying to just call a forfeit before and just end it. They'll call it a tie and go home. But uh, don't, they, they're going to come down here, and look, they'll feel feel good early, but, but uh, uh, the humidity, and, and at least they don't play during the daylight when the turf you know plays into it, too. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's going to take effect, and you, you want to be able to do that. Now, what you said is true. I mean, they, they've got some mass up front, some big old fellas, and, and um, you know, they're, they, they're, they're running back. I mean, you're not going to mistake him for Herschel Walker, but, but, but you know, they're going to try and, uh, you know, be, be physical in there and stuff. Their, their quarterback is a two-school transfer. He's on his third school. And, um, you know, went to, started at Missouri, ended up at Troy, and now he, he's up there. And, and, you know, so they, they want to be physical with it. And, and like you said, if they can shorten the game by running the clock, they'll do that. That's only going to play their advantage. I anticipate the first half being, being competitive with it. They're going to have some success in the first half. And then later in the second half is when you really feel it. And, um, you know, look, going up that tunnel at half is going to take a little toll on them. And then uh, ho- hopefully going up after the game, they'll be walking. Um, you know, they're an interesting team because, you know, listening to Coach Dez on Monday and Wednesday, he's especially Wednesday in Wednesday's press conference, he was a little concerned about the, you know, may cannot allow them to control the clock. When when the Cajuns get in the red zone and the goal zone, they need to score points and not, you know, do what that happened at the end of the first half in the week one game. And yet they also have two wide receivers that are extremely productive in their careers and extremely experienced. You know, one of them has 154 catches in their career. The other one has 170. And so, you know, you can't ignore the passing game either. No, they do. And, and those are the guys. And, 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 you know, you know who they're going to try and get it to. The other thing that I, I, if you look across their two deep, and especially their starting group, Kev, they've got a ton of graduates. And so they've they've got an experienced team, a team that in the past has not had a lot of success, but here lately has, has done a little more winning than they've been used to. Um, you know, they 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 do a big deal and make a big deal about the uh, the off season program, kind of the military type stuff, the stuff that you used to see the Cajuns promote a lot when Rusty Witt was the strength coach, and um, you know they're they're doing a lot with that and, and want to be the tough guys and and you know. Uh, nail biter type fellas up there, and, and, and because that's what they are, they're not going to out athlete the Cajuns. Um, and and, and uh, Coach Des is right. I mean, you you can't you can't miss on opportunities uh, when when you get it down there at the end of the first half, like the Cajuns did. The Cajuns played about as good a first half as you could play. The 
against Southeastern until that one play when it didn't convert on fourth down. And then the second half just was not good. And, um, you know, so I think that, you know, the Cajun have got to try and get some momentum, take advantage of, of their um, athletes out there and take advantage of, of their uh, advantages with that and then uh, go try and hit some home runs. And look, one of the things that happened with the Cajun Southeastern game is you lost the possession to, uh, uh, you know, to the punt return for a touchdown. And if that happens again this week, well, okay. You're not going to say, oh, no, don't score. Right. So we can burn some more clock. No, you man, that just happens. Hey, if you can score on kick in the special teams, you, t- you take that. And then you throw the, the time of possession out the window. You don't worry about it. And then um, and you just maximize the time when you do have the football. The other thing is, as long as the cages don't turn the football over, then they'll have plenty of opportunities to control the clock themselves. Again, we're speaking with Gerald Broussard. I've asked a few high school coaches over the years, and they kind of look at me funny. But when you have one of these, when you're playing one of these real explosive teams, and your 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 that coach's team is the one that needs to control the clock, I'm saying, are you going to tell your kids to fall down if they break in the in the open field because you want to extend drives, you don't want a quick touchdown, you don't want to play that fast break basketball, and uh, a couple of them laugh and act like they would consider, but I don't think they really want to do that. No. You're going to score. You score when you can score. If you can score in one play, okay. You know, And if they come back and score in one, good. Then you burn clock on the next drive. One of the things that we – and this is interesting because I didn't know. I mean, I don't know much about Eastern Michigan football, so I learned a little bit this week. And, and it's kind of fascinating the way – when you look at the numbers and how that could play, and history doesn't always an indicator, but it can be. Uh, we talked a lot about how over the last two years the Cajuns are 13-1 and one in one-score games. Well, Eastern Michigan, since 2016, has played 42 one-score games. They're 19-23. and 23. The, um, the, um, Since 2018, only Nebraska has more one-score losses than Eastern Michigan in the whole country. Eastern Michigan's lost 15 games since then by one score. Nebraska's lost 21. On the flip side, the Cajuns have been fantastic in that. So, you know, it, it, it's it's kind of interesting to see the two opposite sides of that dynamic and how that could play into this game. Well, and, and you know, you got – we talked about it on a pregame show. The, the, uh, the, the Cajuns have learned in our team uh, that they expect and anticipate and know how to win. Uh, they're going to find a way to put drives together. Uh, now, look, what happened Saturday night was, was not the norm. Usually, you know, in the past you know, four or five years, the Cajuns would score on that last drive of the half right before they get the ball to start the second half and separate right there if they could. Uh, and then if they don't, then they find a way at the end of it because they're just an anticipation of victory when you're so used to winning. Right now, Eastern Michigan is a team that's just still trying to figure out. Uh, they've gotten better, Kev, but but they're you know they're never going to be that much more or ever going to be have more talent than the people that they play. And so when when you are in that position, in order to win, you've got to have a lot of things happen. And I hesitate to say you got to play a perfect game, but I mean most of the time you've got to have. A, just breaks go your way uh, a couple more turnovers in the opponent or you know something good happens in the kicking game for you or whatever or if, if it doesn't happen 
then you tend to just fall short. And, look, I've been on a lot of teams that are that way. Um, you know, you look at the schedule and, and, and you just – you know that, you know, for the most part, you're not going to be better than many of the people you play. And so you're going to need good things to happen in order to win. And if they don't, you're good enough to keep it close. You're just not quite good enough to get over the hump. And um, I, I think that that's the thing that Eastern is looking at this year is maybe a year where they can start that trend because they do have a couple transfers in there. And they got a couple guys with some, some a lot of experience. They're hoping their quarterback can make the difference to, to get them over that hump into one-score games. And, and you know, uh, I don't I, – what I knew about Eastern in the past was that they were just always going to struggle. Um, you know, I had heard of Charlie Batch, and I know some I know a guy who played with Charlie Batch up there. But other than that, I didn't know much about Eastern Michigan. And, and so when I saw this game on the schedule, I knew they had played in, in a bowl, and I knew they were having some success. But the good thing was, I said, well, it's in September. I, I don't care. I mean, you can bring down anybody you want. If, if, if they're from anywhere in Michigan, they're going to be hot. And then the chances are, that if, it, if it ends up close, then you, know, you got to kind of think Cajuns are going to do it. The, the, the thing that's curious, they really are trying to hard to kind of hard to figure out because last year they were 45th nationally in third down, and the Cadence have not been very good at third down. They converted 42%. The Cadence only 35. In their last 35 games, 33 of them, or 28 of them, they won the turnover battle and had five ties and only lost the turnover battle twice. And Cadence are tremendous at winning the turnover battle. So, I just think this is going to be a very interesting chess match kind of a game. Well, and I, I hope I hope you're wrong, but I don't think right now. I think the Cajuns are going to – well, not, they're going to have to play better this week, especially in the second half. I don't know if they could have played better in the first half up until the fourth, you know, that, that fourth down play. But but I, 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 I do think, though, that, that, that hopefully we, we get to see some of that. And if you do – then, then I, I think the Cajuns do have a chance to separate in there. But again, that what, what you're saying goes back to it. It's, it's not just not winning, the, not losing the turnover battle, but when when, when you are, um, I, it sounds bad when I say it. So I'm not trying to say they don't have players, but but you know, Eastern is the kind of team that they're going to have to go out and play a lot of money games. They're going to be in a conference where they they are never going to be like the top talent, have the most talent right. in their conference. And so week in, week out, they are playing. If, if they're favorite, it's never by double digits. It's, it's not going to be much. Uh, most of the time, if they're at home, they're close to not being favored or it's close. It's just, you know, they always have to play a really, really good football game to be able to win. And usually they need some help. From the, whether they cause takeaways or not, it, it's usually got to be from from multiple. Uh, you know, you got to have a bigger lead than just, okay, we won the turnover battle by one. It's got to be two, three. Uh, but I, I say all that knowing that that's why if they can shorten the game, if they can just pound and beat you up, then that's where they want to play to it. And then hopefully in their eyes, you know, keep it to where it's a chance to win and then maybe get over that hump for them. Because I tell you what they are. Now, they are big. They are going to be big. They are going to be physical. They do rotate. They're going to play some numbers, which they're going to need to. Uh, but they're going to play some numbers. And, uh, you know, they, they've got a couple guys. I say that and, and they say what I say about talent efficient, but now they got an uh, inside linebacker. It's a big old good-looking rascal transferred from, 
from Michigan State, you know, he's a 6'4", 230-pound guy that ran around, made a few plays the other night um, against – and, and they're going to have an extra day because they played the Friday night game. Right. Uh, as far as getting ready. I, and, look, I don't think that plays big as far as the cages are, are concerned, but it does help them with their travel. I can only imagine, you know, you know, Kev, we, we go to a lot of places that are hard to get to, but to get to Lafayette, Louisiana from Ypsilanti, Michigan, is probably a bit of a chore. And um, so I'm, I'm, I think that it will, it will benefit them having that extra day and, and also getting to watch the Cajuns, but I do, I do think that the Cajuns will separate them. All right, the one the one statistic that you do feel good about going is they gave up 351 yards pass in Eastern Kentucky. So how important in this game is it to see the pass? The passing game was good last week, but then it kind of hit a wall a little bit to really have an explosive passing game. I think it's very important. I also think it's very important. Uh, the way that's going to happen, too, is with better protection. And I, I think the offensive line's got to continue to grow and get better. Um but but I thought that there were some opportunities in the passing game. You know, early things were clicking, but then you had some 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 missed opportunities. I hate to use the the, the word that starts with a D and ends with a B, and, and so we we don't talk about that. When I was coaching receivers, we just called that a, a focus lapse. You know, we just lost focus for a second. But uh, you know, so I, I think that there were some missed opportunities there. But there was also, you know, Michael Jefferson was, I mean, he he just toasted the fella and had a chance to get a deep ball on it. And Chandler probably made his worst throw tonight. You know, Chandler played well, but missed on that opportunity there. But I think the Cajuns will need to to grow in the passing game. They're also going to need to do some things schematically to grow in the passing game. Got really, I thought, predictable in the second half with just, you know, it seemed like every third down was going to be a, either a back in the flat or a tight end in the flat off of a naked fake. Run fake one way, come back the other way, and try and slip somebody out in the flat. And, uh, you know, you're going to have to grow your passing game a little bit to be able to maneuver it and stuff. And a lot of that has to do with throwing on first down, too. You know, being able to move it. I, I say that, but I want to be able to see the Cajuns run the football also. So, you know, but but I, as it goes, I, I think that, you know, when when – you know the Cajuns brag about the number of people that that touch the football and stuff, and I, you know, I'm still I'm of the, you know, the the school of where I, I like to see a go-to guy, you know, and so I'm hoping that that ends up being, you know, if it's you know, Peter LeBlanc didn't didn't get targeted at all, and I know they, they're kind of, I know that they know he can play and he's going to get some targets. That was just. Uh, this happens, you know. Everybody that, that played seemed to get targeted except Peter, which is unbelievable because he's been your leading receiver. But, but you know, for for Peter and Michael Jefferson out there and, and, and getting involved to those guys, count on them and down the distance. Looks like he's got a good connection there with with uh, Donnie Lumpkin in the red zone, you know. And why wouldn't you? I mean, he's a big old massive monster down there. But uh, to see it go on, on first, second down, stuff like that, I'm. And then knowing who the go-to guy is on third down, I'm I'm anxious to see how that yeah, develops I hope, here this I hope week they, and the next. I agree. I hope they head in that direction. All right, sir. Appreciate your time as always. Please help me to have a good Sunday. You'll be all right. If you come see me up in there, I'll give you a hug. That don't mean it'll help, but I'll give you a hug. Okay. I'm here for you, brother. All right. Hey, you signed your center. You gave him big money. Yes. Thank goodness. Yes, you I know? like I like I like that. I like having stable offensive line. Appreciate your time as always, sir. Thank you very much. See you, pal. Bye. Gerald Broussard. Oh, I hope I don't need a hug.
Monday, but unfortunately, I'm not in control of that. We'll take a timeout, finish out today's show next on The Game. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on The Game. Just got a few minutes left, and we've kind of set the stage for Saints, Falcons, did a little history, did a little whining about the injury report. Uh, hopefully the Saints have enough depth. And, and it, you know, it's just there's so much new that it's just so concerning. I mean, you just you got you got new safeties. It's been my problem or my big question, my big concern about this team from the beginning. So this will be our first test. And I know that no, really nobody's predicting the Falcons to win a whole bunch of games. But again, it's a division rivalry game. They do have players like Pitts and Patterson who couldn't make big plays in the passing game. The Saints fans don't have to go too far back to see, remember Patterson making a big play against the Saints to win a game. So uh, it's just, it's, you, you look at the rosters, you know which one on paper is better, but you have injuries and you have officials and you have first game jitters and you have first game communication issues. There's all so many things that could be a problem. And we'll see what happens. I mean, I just, I just really need to see them play well on Sunday and eliminate some of this just bad, whatever you want to call it, uh, since since last week. Most of August has been good, and then last week happened, and it's just the injury reports, and it's just like enough of this foolishness. But lots more going on. Again, we got Cajuns in Eastern Michigan. McNeese is taking on Rice, so the Cajuns will be able to go to school in that film and see. Hopefully, the Cajuns will be 2-0, and and they'll have a chance to um, go to Rice and see what they could do the following week. And then, obviously, lots of high school football and big series this weekend, Major League Baseball. We'll see what the Mariners and Braves and the Rays and the Yankees do. So... Lot, lots to look forward to to we review on Monday. Appreciate all the phone calls and the guests. 